everyone, everyone has uh, enjoyed the service, and I mean that sincerely. We've had some great songs. We've had some great sharing. And you know what? We're not spit and polish, and I don't want to be. I don't want to be, right? Uh, we're just a bunch of common folk, really, just a bunch of common folk who love Jesus coming together on a weekly basis to share life together. That's who we are. And it's okay if things don't flow perfectly smooth. Amen? As I recall, even in, in, in Christ-ordained life, uh, it didn't always go real smooth, did it? Yeah. So uh, praise the Lord for all of those who participated, the worship team and everyone who participated this morning. And praise the Lord for you because uh, it wouldn't have been worth much if you weren't here uh, to, to be a part uh, of this worship service. You know, I remember not too long ago uh, during something called the pandemic uh, where I looked out and there was, I better be careful with this, I could really spin this one. A bunch of stuffed animals out there. <laughs> I'd leave that alone, hadn't I, Rod? I better just leave that alone. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was hard, and I know it was hard on you folks uh, being away from the church family uh, for that period of time. But uh, God was faithful, brought us through it, and I assure you, I think we grew and uh, learned uh, things we might not do again, might do whatever. It's necessary, but uh, anyway, this morning we are going to open with an exciting series, and I'm going to try to be careful. I'm, I'm sling-free this morning, but uh, and, and the series is tucked away in the book of Psalm, okay? It's a little group of 15 psalms. They're very short, every one of them, not very long. They are grouped for a specific reason that many people possibly miss. But they will be subtitled in your scripture. They will be designated as Psalms of Ascent. Have anybody ever read them? Okay, we got just a couple of hands. I, 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 I almost kind of like that, that you haven't noticed that. Because folks, I, this is going to be an exciting journey. And I want us to really kind of get into this to capture the power of these songs. They are collectively called the Psalms or Songs, Songs of Ascent, or commonly referred to as the Pilgrim's Songs. The Pilgrim's Songs. There was a struggle in the preparation of this message, balancing, there's always a critical balance, I believe, in appropriate preaching, and, and it should be text, context, and application. And so I had to struggle with this a little bit because uh, of getting that divided up appropriately. Uh, the application will not be really understood unless we have context. Even the text itself, we really can't grasp unless we have context. So here we go. Stay with me. Get excited. There were three major feasts. There were three major feasts. I'm going to read in just a moment, Tarzan. I won't be reading the scripture right now. There are three major, you folks are just so used to getting up and down, we can't keep you seated now. There are three major feasts in the Jewish calendar year. Each of these feasts required a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, by simple elevation, was up. Temple Mount is Mount Moriah. 
The city is surrounded by valleys. So if you go to Jerusalem, if you go to Temple Mount, you have to go up. Thus, ascend. But this is more than just going to Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of peace. It was more about going home, going home, and being in the very presence of God. The significance of the feast. There was Pesach, Feast of Unleavened Bread, we most commonly refer to as the Passover. The second feast was Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks or the Harvest Feast, the ingathering. The third was Sukkoth, Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles. So let's take a very quick overview of the first feast that the pilgrims, the early Jews, would have made this this journey to Jerusalem. The Pesach, or the Passover, is perhaps the most important Jewish festival in the Old Testament. In Exodus 12, the Lord first gives the instructions for the Passover festival. Passover occurs in the first month of the Jewish religious calendar, the month of Nisan, corresponding to March April, or sometimes early May. On the evening before the 15th day of the month, Israelites were to sacrifice a lamb and place its blood above their doorposts as a sign that the angel of judgment passed over them when they were in Egypt, sparing their lives. After the Egyptians had received judgment, they admonished Israel to leave immediately in preparation for the exodus. The people were to make bread without leaven, for it didn't have time to rise. They were to leave in haste. They were to eat their meal in haste, knowing that the following day would be the day of their deliverance. As a memorial, the Feast of Unleavened Bread continued to be practiced throughout the Old Testament times and beyond, a memorial that God's redemptive act he had performed for this people. Second feast. Second feast. So we have the Passover, the sacrifice of the lamb, the unleavened bread. Shavuot, described in Leviticus 23, the festival of weeks, is the second of three solemn feasts that all Jewish males were required to travel to Jerusalem to attend. How do you get to Jerusalem? You got to go up. This important feast gets its name from the fact that it starts seven full weeks or exactly 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. Do you see some things coming together here? Do you, do you begin to see, don't dismiss all of these events in the Old Testament because we find Christ in every one of them. In every one of them. After the Feast of First Fruits, since it takes place exactly 50 days after the previous feast, the feast is also known as Pentecost which means 50. At Feast of Weeks takes place exactly 50 days at the Feast of First Fruits. It it normally occurs in late spring, either the last of May, beginning of June. And unlike other feasts, they began on a specific day of the Hebrew calendar. This one is calculated as being 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Guess when Jesus was crucified? as a Passover lamb on that very day and rose from the grave 
at the Feast of First Fruits. Following his resurrection, Jesus spent the next 40 days teaching his disciples before ascending to heaven, 50 days after his resurrection, and after ascending to heaven to sit at the right hand of God, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Do you see it, guys? This is, this is so, so powerful. And sometimes we look at these texts of the Old Testament, especially in Leviticus, and we read under the law and all the festivals. But do you see what? Read the Bible with Jesus present. However you're reading the scripture, find Christ in it. He's there. This is his story, folks. This is, there's one hero, hero, hero. That's a sandwich, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's one hero in Scripture, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, the third feast, and we've just about got context established here. The third feast is Sukkoth. Few of the feasts that were part of the Old Testament covenant worship were as joyful as the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. This celebration was the last of the fall festivals and was held at the end of the agricultural year when the grapes and the olives and the grains were harvested in Israel, which lasted from October through March. Remember, we're backwards in the years there, okay? The, the summer and, uh, and the winter. Primarily, however, Sukkoth was designed to remember the wilderness journey from Egypt to Canaan. When God made the people live in booths, during that time of the feast, each Israelite family was supposed to construct a booth or a sukkah and live in it for one week. Moses often warned Israelites not to forget the God who redeemed them from slavery once they were fat and happy in the promised land. This reveals another purpose for the sukkah. And what is that? It could be tempting for the Israelites to sit in their houses after a great harvest and say, look what we did instead of remembering what God had done. So they were called to go back and remember the wilderness experience. Look at what we did. Living in booze for a week reminded them that their success in Canaan was holy on account of the God's grace. He had brought them to a good land and could just as easily have taken them out. A tangible reminder of his provision in the wilderness during Sukkoth showed the Israelite they must always trust him alone for their supply. Do you see the significance in all of this? Why do we take communion today? Why? Remember. And not only do we remember, but we look forward. We look forward to the second coming of Christ. Deep spiritual truths and meanings for the Jews and for us today. So to all my fellow pilgrims, let's begin the journey of ascent. Would you please stand at the reading of God's word and hope that the context has given new insight to what we're about to go through. Subtitle added for our informational purposes, Deliver Me, O Lord, A Song of Ascents, Psalm 120, the first of 15. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. 
Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Brothers and sisters, what we have here is a very disgruntled pilgrim. A very dissatisfied pilgrim. Let's see why. Father, would you please bless the reading of this word that we may understand not only the text, but also what it means to us today. How these words of frustration, of dissatisfaction can be applied to our pilgrimage journey as followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the great salvation that puts us in this condition of just simply wanting to go home. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. In 1966, do we have anybody that remembers that? Oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't saved, and I may not remember a whole lot of it. But there was a song that was released by a couple of folk singers called Simon and Garfunkel. Rosemary Time, I forget the, Rose, I forget the name of the album, but anyway. Thank you. Thank you. I listened to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel back then, got kind of into that folk music. But they wrote one and released it in 1966 called Homeward Bound. I wish I was homeward bound. And it's their story of entertainers, their story of being on the road and on tour day after day, month after month, and they simply wanted to go home. It kind of became a, a mantra song of many of the GIs of the era who were shipping overseas. They dreamed of being back home. Tarzan, remember being in Germany? We'd talk about going back to the world. This Short timers? Yeah. Going home. Going home. How many of you have ever been away from home for an extended period of time? See some hand, a little participation. It don't matter. It can be a week or it can be months. It, it, it can be years, a couple of years, you know. But Dorothy had it right. Dorothy had it right. There's no place like home. E.T. had it right. E.T. call home. E.T. call home. Do what, you know the longing that I'm talking about. This is the pilgrim journey. How many of you ever seen Pilgrim's Progress? Read the book or seen, I tell you, the animated movie is excellent, and I mean that. We just sat down and watched it with the kids here about two, three weeks ago. Before I even knew exactly what, what the series was going to go, we watched Pilgrim's Progress together, and we had a chance to stop halfway through the movie, and we just sat around in the living room and talked about it. You know, who is this character? Who is this character? Who is this character? What's this mean to us? I encourage you, no matter what age you are, watch Pilgrim's Progress and watch the animated version if you want to. It's good. It's really good. But this is what it's about. We're pilgrims. We're on this journey headed toward the celestial city. The city of peace. I want to go home. Hearing that word immediately places images within our mind. There's no place like home. 
Whether home evokes painful memories, and at times it does, or pleasant ones, our hearts are longing for a place called home. In one sense, the Bible is a story about going home. Remember what happened in Eden. Man was kicked out of their home. Do you see it? And, and, and for years after, Adam would pass by with the kids and, and they'd see the flaming uh, security at the guards, at the gates of the Garden of Eden. And, and, and the kids would say, Dad, what happened there? And he would say, kids, that's where your mother ate us out of home. She ate us out of house and home. Gotcha. But it's true. It's true. Man was kicked out of his home. That perfect, perfect place he was removed from. And ever since then, there's been this yearning in man's heart to be back. And those who are not in Christ don't know what that is, but they know there's something wrong. I don't care where you go, who you talk to, no matter how stark, raven, mad, liberal they may, may be, how woke they may be, how atheistic they may be, they know there's something missing down deep. They know it. They know it. And that's the battle. That's why they're so angry. They're angry. And they'll just go off in a, in a flash at anything. They know something's missing. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you what it is. His name is Jesus because he's the only one that can put us back in our home. He's the only one that can restore what sin had taken away and put us in this conflicting, corrupt place called the world. It's a story of humanity dwelling with God being booted from the garden, ultimately having our dwelling restored through Christ, culminating in God's dwelling place among the people, Revelations 21, along the journey from displaced to finally dwelling with God, we find this group of 15 psalms. And these psalms are all about getting back home. Are you with me? Getting back home. Home. These Psalms hold an important place with the story of God's redemption. The Psalms of Ascent, also called the Songs of Degree or the Pilgrim Songs, as well as the Gradual Psalms. They are named this because of the phrase appearing before each Psalm, and you'll notice that in your Bibles. Imagine you have been years in exile, booted out of your land because of disobedience. The temple has been destroyed. The walls of your city is nothing but ruins. The rebuilding process has become, but questions still linger. Will God be angry with us forever? Is God's covenant with David still in force? Has the Davidic covenant failed because of our sins? These questions and many more would have permeated, permeated the post-exilic community, those who had been out of their land for all of these years. How do you encourage a people like that? Go up to Jerusalem. Go up to the temple. And it's not so much about a place as it is a person. It's being in the presence of God. The Psalms of Ascent is a story of our pursuing the God of Israel. For we here do not have an enduring city, the writer of Hebrews says, but we are looking for the city that is to come, one which is not built by human 
hands. Are you yearning for that city? So what does our journey look like? Point number one, right on time. Point number one, we must forsake our old way of living in order to have a new one. This is what our journey looked like. So how can we enter the year of our Lord 2023 and live according to the Psalms of Ascent? Again, point number one, we got to forsake our old way of living. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior, sharp arrows with glowing coals at the broom tree. This pilgrim is broken over a culture of dishonesty and hostility, dissatisfaction and personal brokenness in our world are the essential first steps to our pilgrimage journey. A healthy biblical desire to go home. And let me repeat that. A healthy biblical desire to go home ought to be a normal part of every Christian's daily living. It does not mean we want to die. It doesn't mean that. It means quite the opposite. That yearning to be know that we're going to a better place ought to drive us, compel us, inspire us to live in an exuberant, joyful, abundant life because we know our time is limited here on this earth. We're a mist. We're a mist. And we appear and we're gone. Don't waste a second of it, folks. Don't waste a second of us. I, I, of it. It, it, it's too brief. And I may encourage you even now to hang on to the things of this world lightly. Keep a very loose grip on the things of this world so that they can be removed without so much pain. The pilgrim is broken. He's broken over his own evil in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a verse that I shared with the children this morning, but I read it to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want to tell you something, and this is something that affected me. might not have affected you in the early years, but one of the reasons I didn't like Christians is they didn't know how to have fun. Period. You people were boring. You never did anything. I didn't understand it. You walk around with a smile on your face and you aren't having any fun. I don't get it. Right? You go to church on Sundays and get together and you sing a few songs and you listen to somebody get up and ramble and, you, and then you go, what kind of fun is that? And you know what? You know what? If I get saved, the devil's going to take away my fun. Uh, the, 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 the lie is that, that, that I'm going to lose all my fun. The devil convinces you that God is going to take away all your fun. I'll get it out. Stay with me. God is going to take away all your fun, and I'm going to look just like you. From an unsaved you Listen to me, folks. Please listen to me. From an unsaved person, that's the type of irrational thinking that dominates But it took being born again to find out what fun was all about. It took being born again. Now I get it. 
No, he did it. God didn't take away my fun. He gave me a whole new party to go to. Amen. And that's it. That's the turning point. But the devil wants us to believe, wants the unsaved to believe that once you come to Christ, it's a life of drudgery, a life of whatever it is. Uh, and quite often there's some Christians who promote that image. So quit sucking on your sour persimmons and joy up. Joy up, huh? Joy up. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Jesus said to the man, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Folks, we got to leave the whole life behind and it ought to be a burning desire in our heart to leave that life behind and live in the abundant and joyful and free life that Christ has granted us through his sacrifice on the cross. Glorious resurrection, ascension, coming of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be the, the most joyful people in the world. Point number two, we must keep our focus on the deliverer. This is part of the Pilgrim's Progress uh, uh, movie or book. People along the way that will help us. That will help us. In my distress, I call to the Lord. Deliver me, O Lord. Deliver me, O Lord. Get me out or get me through. Either way, I'm trusting you. That's my own little riddle for today. Can I share that again? I wrote that. I didn't copyright it, so you're welcome to share it, Brian. Yeah. Get me out or get me through. Either way, I'm trusting you. Our God will not only set you free, but he will get you home. Don't forget that. It doesn't matter how difficult the journey, God will be with you. He is Emmanuel. The Lord Jesus Christ has promised to never leave us or forsake us. The pilgrim's journey will take you through deserts and dry times. The pilgrim's journey will take you through the valleys and the low times. But you will enjoy the lush pastures and the still waters along the way. Amen. Because God will be with you. Do you see the pilgrim's hope? Is never really about the place we're going but the person we're going to see when we get there. It's all about Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. Forsake the old life. Focus on Christ. And number three, don't forget where home is. Don't forget where home is. We must never forget where home is. Woe to me, so I sojourn in Meshach that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. I'm tired of not being home. That's what the pilgrims say. I am not where I'm supposed to be yet. Brothers and sisters, the new creation that Christ makes us, he calls us to the new being, the new life, the new hope, everything that he gives us, is about our new home and is simply preparing us to move in. We are now a people in Christ who are not made to live here on this world. We're ultimately made, remade, renewed, recreated to live in glory. And so this whole, this, this whole world is just uncomfortable at times and quite honestly a little bit frustrating. But I encourage you, do not be frustrated with the world. 
and the world talking about those who are unsaved, living according to the will and desires of the flesh, not knowing how to do it any different. That's simply who they are. But the question is, who are we? And are we living according to the new nature? I want to go home. I want to go home. Pilgrims are not nomads. Let me finish up with this. Pilgrims are not nomads. Like pilgrims, nomads are on the move, carrying their homes with them, following their herds and pursuing new markets for their handiwork and everything they sell to make a living. Wherever they make camp is home for that moment or that night or that season. Pilgrims, on the other hand, have a destination. That's the difference. Their journey has a purpose. Pilgrims are restless to reach their journeys in. They press on and don't linger too long in any one place. Pilgrims bound for their destination, adding to their numbers as they go, often find the journey itself part of the divine experience. And listen to that carefully. Someone once said, all the way to heaven is heaven. For has he not said, I am the way. I am the way. The Psalms are a declaration of our relationship with God, our creator. The psalmist was clinging to God's covenant promises and provisions just like we must cling to the promises that God has given us in Christ Jesus. The covenant promises that he has given us of salvation and security as a believer. What we find in the psalm is not a neat and tidy, this is hard for some preachers, a neat and tidy systematic theology. It's down home living. And that's where I find my most comfortable preaching. (laughs) Down home living. C.S. Lewis says, the psalms are poems and poems are intended to be sung, not doctrinal treatises nor even sermons, whether songs of adoration, confession of sin, protests of innocent, complaints about suffering, pleas for deliverance, assurance of being heard, petitions before battle or thanksgiving afterwards, the Psalms are all expression of a unique relationship between one true God and his people. Amen. The pilgrimage of the Christian is a journey of discipleship. The rest of the journey is becoming who we already are in Christ. And so the question that we present at the close of this morning's service, are you on the right path? You're going somewhere. Hear me, folks. You're going somewhere. You're moving in one direction. You're moving towards something. Is there purpose and meaning to the journey? Is there hope at the end? Are you dissatisfied and frustrated by the world around you? Good. Good. Because that's not your home. That's not your home. Do you no longer feel like this world is not your home? Strong indications that you're a child of God. The Apostle Paul gives us a new pattern of living as Christian pilgrims in these two texts. 
Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, my family, I am excited about the year of 2023. I am excited. And as I even mentioned last week, don't let the devil feed you a lie that Christianity is dead, shrinking and going away. I think it's just now beginning to bloom and blossom as the harvest is prepared for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to be alive. Very anxious to get home, but very much excited to be alive. So let's join arms today. Embark on our journey together as pilgrims who are drawing near and near to God every step of the way. Father, thank you for this time that we've had. Thank you for the word of God, living and active. Thank you for these beautiful psalms that, that, that just touch us where we live. Touch us where we live. Sometimes provide discipline. Sometimes bring conviction and even leading to repentance, but always the hope of joy. The hope of joy that there's a better place. There's a better place. And Christ has prepared it for those whom he has prepared. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what a way to start a year. What a way to start a year with new life, with a new beginning, with a blank slate, everything erased from the mind of God who says, I choose not to remember that anymore. All of those sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. And remember, God doesn't have a mental deficiency. He doesn't forget. He chooses not to remember. That's powerful. That's powerful. But let God give you a new life today and go to the biggest party that's ever been designed around a big table called a wedding banquet, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Party, party, party. I'll be able to dance when I get to heaven too. But most of all, 
I just want to spend a little bit of time in front of the throne. Just spend a little bit of time there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>